Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I love you. Let's play. Distinguished adventurers! Last time on Dungeon Drunks, the Heralds of Greenest have brokered a peace between the city of Waterdeep and the invading army of kobolds, saving the lives of thousands and preventing the destruction of a chunk of the city. Veng Ashdocker and his tribe have left in the middle of the night to start the long trek to South Crypt, Carlton's long-abandoned ancestral home. They've been given safe passage and permission to claim South Crypt as their new home under two conditions. First, that they abandon the army of undead and demons that have been summoned. And second, that the Heralds of Greenest teleport ahead of the tribe to verify that the lands are indeed safe to claim. The next morning, Bernie, Jonathan, and Carlton run an errand for their halfling friend Razo Riverhopper, obtaining a large amount of gourmet marshmallows and saving the city from a giant fey ant incursion in the process. And that... <laughs> That's what happened? <laughs> we yeah, met Danthony! <laughs> We met Danthony the ant. He wasn't really named Danthony. Wait, are we coming straight from the chocolate shop? I will be getting to that shortly. Oh, God, I hope so. That is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Obo Crazy. I have no we spells, have... so there's that. <laughs> well, you should have some. You didn't blow some, all your... But... Yeah, you didn't... Yep. There's no way you blew all of your spells, especially no, since you spent one just round. No, there was my good ones. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll see what happens. So we have just come from RTX. And so for our listeners at home who were not at RTX, the last episode you heard was our live game, which unfortunately did not include Jack. We will be getting to what Travancore was up to during that time. And I'm sure that there will be some catching up for all the Heralds of Greenest. But first, I have to talk about what I'm drinking, which makes me happy because I got it at RTX from our friend goober i have some of the smirkin beard homebrew mead that jonathan has been talking about this whole time and not to go into a giant story but i was basically sat down in a condo one night one afternoon and told try this and by this it was about two dozen versions of mead it was one of the best afternoons i've had in a long time so the bottle i was sent home with is specifically their earl gray boucher oh i had that one yes it might be one of the most delicious things I've ever had. And so I have a small amount of it because it's potent and lovely. And I'm also saving some to bring to a friend of the sh- friends of the show, Mary and Chris. So I'm trying not to finish off the whole bottle. And since we were missing him at RTX, Travancore, why don't you go first? What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Twinnings of London's Herbal Tea Lemon and Ginger Flavor. Oh, it's hard Ooh. to see from there. That's the right choice. <laughs> and uh, it's it's quite soothing. I'm I'm entering uh, a sort of tea phase, um, if you will. So for the next uh, few weeks, uh, join me on an adventure through my uh, my rich cultural patrimony. I will a hundred percent. I I don't have any of your awesome teas, but I will definitely join you on the tea venture. I'm always up for tea. Bernie, what are you drinking? Here we go. Here we go. So tonight, I, okay, tonight I'm drinking, I thought I had con cold and it was almost water. 
because turns out it's allergies. So we're Aww. fine. But I am, again, Collective Arts Brewing because they're my favorite. And it's a, uh, their sour dry hopped ale. And what's great is I love this one. I've had this before, but it's brewed with peach, passion fruit, and raspberry. And it's like sour and fruity and just like perfectly summery. And I just had some new hazelnut spread M&M's. How are what? they? How are they? Oh, I've been trying good. to find them, and then I started the diet, and I couldn't eat them when I did oh, find no. them. So I was like, no, I want to buy them. How are they? Tell me they're, tell me they're, they're, tell me they're terrible. So tell me they're terrible, so I'm not missing horrible. anything. You just uh, not worth the money. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lies. Uh, uh, so Stephen brought them home the other night. Like he went grocery shopping because we had no food in the house. Clearly, we got back from RTX, and he was like, "I got us a new sugar treat." And I was actually skeptical because I generally don't do the "Oh, look at this weird flavor." But Stephen Dunkelman is defined by "Oh, look at that weird food." I'm gonna put it in my mouth. <laughs> uh, I appreciate this. I wholeheartedly agree with this. And uh, so. I decided that they would taste... Last night I had them, and I'm like, okay, they're fine. Tonight, though, I put them in the fridge, and they are so good cold. Mm. Do not eat them out of the bag. You'll be like, oh, whatever, I don't get it. Put those fuckers in the fridge. Get them cold. And it could just be because we don't have air conditioning, but they are really good cold. (laughs) But are they worth M&M's resorting to cannibalism? Wait, what? Like, you don't know the whole, like, thing for ha- hazelnut M&M's is that the other M&M's want to eat hazelnut M&M's. Oh, and, yeah. And, like, they try to model them, but, like, you just see, like, a half-broken shell. I don't know. M&M's are funny, funny things. I am horrified. What? Yeah. I'll have to send you a link. Maybe I'll that. put it in our link dump for the episode. Oh, I am that. We're moving on super <laughs> fast. Carlton, what are you drinking? The blood of M&M. No, uh. <laughs> I've actually got uh, some more uh, Waterloo sparkling water. This is uh, the watermelon flavor. So it's Waterloo watermelon. Water, 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 watermelon, water. So yeah, it's delicious. I had some when we visited your house at RTX, and it actually was very good. I, I was quite impressed how so much water could actually have flavor. Wait, are you using your coaster? Uh, no, because I gave mine away at the panel because there was some confusion over which person actually got it and got the giveaway one, and I didn't... I was like, you know, it's 15 bucks. Here, you can have it, too. Aww. So I gave away my personal one. Aww. And then I forgot to visit them on Sunday to buy buy a new one. Uh, I tried to buy one for our ranger friend on Sunday, and uh, they were sold out. <laughs> hmm. Which is good, but also bad, but also good. So yeah, I'll just order it online at some point. Cool. And finally, Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, it's Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Med Muscular, and tonight I've got more mead. You'd think I'd be meted out by this time, but no. So after the game <laughs> on Saturday, uh, a bunch of friends and I went to the Meridian Hive Meadery. And so I got something that is very appropriate for our cleric here, Bernice Q. Burns. It is the lemon variety. <laughs> and it's got a bee on it. And it's awesome. I've actually had this before, so this is not a live tasting. This is stuff is really, really, really good. Take a Ooh. picture. Take a picture. Oh, I've, I've sent it already. It's, it's in there. And um, part of the deal was that uh, both Kyle, a.k.a. Goober, brought his smirk and beard mead, but also our friends, Manda and Jonesy, brought their lawful evil mead, which yeah. they are also working on. So we went to a professional meadery, and both Kyle and Manda went and talked to the actual brewers and stuff, the mead masters, if they were, to get some tips on making their own mead better. 
And it is, this is delicious. This is seriously so fucking good. I was about to say, having tasted both of their meads, uh, multiple versions of all of them, very, very, very good at the very least, if uh. not delicious. So I'm excited to hear what they do next. And uh, today's Shot of Fireball, to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to one of our uh, longtime patrons, but has just received a boost to get this shout out, Janessa. Thank you so much hey! for your continued support. Uh, we interact with you a lot on Twitter, and you are super awesome. Thank you so much. This airline bottle of Fireball is for you. You know what? I learned something just now. I've always thought that these airline bottles were announced. And no. I was like, wow, these are super hard to shoot because that's a lot. No, they're 50 milliliters, mm-hmm. which is 1.6 ounces, yep. which is why I've had a hard time downing these on stage. That yep. explains a lot. And thank you once again to all of our supporters, both people who have contributed money to our Patreon, people who just listen to our show. Because of your support, we were able to do not just a live game at RTX, but also participated in a panel on character creation, which will be going up uh, the audio for on our feed. And we've got video available for our Patreons. And we were able to do the descent last week, last month. Oh, God, it was a month ago. Ah, time flies. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's play some D&D. Travancore. Hi there. Hi, Travancore. How you doing? Uh, I'm about to find out, aren't I? Yeah, so it it was a long night that involved a lot of talking to kobolds and convincing people not to kill each other. And uh, you all had a chance to to get in kind of a shortage long rest. And then you actually have gone off on a tiny little mission, leaving behind your friends back at the Watchful Order of Majesty and Protectors. Because now that the kobolds are gone, and now that the city is no longer occupied, you seem to remember Gestock was supposed to get a delivery of furniture that was he was going to be holding in the bottom of the Golden Rock Tavern. And so you and Shadow, early in the morning, trying to get this done before you have to go off on whatever this new adventure you're going off on in the South Crypt, head over bright and early to the Golden Rock Tavern. You find Gestock there, still there from the night before, cleaning up the place. Although it doesn't look like it's been left in rough shape. It doesn't look like anything was sacked or destroyed. But certainly, it looks like maybe he hadn't been there for a couple of days. And he sees you in shadow at the door and says, Hey, yeah, I haven't gotten breakfast yet, but come on in, come on in. And he ushers you on in. Gestock, how you holding up, buddy? Well, better now that I got the place back, that's for sure. I mean, fortunately, it looks like they didn't really know what to do with a with a with an inn. And uh, uh, I I got I got good news. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And yeah. he he leads you into the back and down some stairs that you're familiar with into his basement, where you find kind of shoved up up against one wall and stacked up neatly a whole bunch of furniture, really really nice custom-made furniture in a variety of woods and styles and you even pick out a couple of pieces that you distinctly remember yourself ordering and Gestock says this literally arrived like hours before the kobolds and like a day after you left and so you had said to like hold on to it for a while and then you were gonna get out of here i don't know if you want to take it now or if you want to come back and get it later or something because this is a lot of stuff and it took like three or four workmen to get it all down here but 
Not like I could have your bed sitting out in the middle of the inn. Travancore wants to remember who has the, uh, the nut at this moment. Who would like to have the nut? It's been a long enough time. I think it's probably in the, in the bag holding, right? No, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's on I, someone. And yeah, I want to say that the last person to have it was Bernie. I feel like it is me. I think. Yeah, because yeah. she's the responsible one. <laughs> well, no, I, I think there was something where Travancore, like, like needed to do something or, or, or some such, and, and Bernie had it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know I handed Bernie the, uh, the Sending Stone to, to, set, yeah. to, to, to call our dragon associate. Yeah, because Bernie was the last person on the ship to go in. Yeah, so Travancore, in this moment, as you think back over the last uh, 10 day or so, mm-hmm. Bernie's got the nut. Yeah, well, we will we will definitely come back for it if you're okay with holding onto it for, for a couple of more days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. I mean, you kind of saved the whole city. I think I can hold on to a couple of beds until you get back. So, uh, but that's not the only thing I got for you. And he leads you back upstairs. And as he does, he's reaching into his pack and he pulls out a couple of letters. And he hands one to you and says, uh, this came in for Bernie. Uh, I, I didn't open it, so I don't know what it is, but it's directed to her. And he hands it over. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a sealed, closed letter. And go ahead and roll a religion check, Travancore. Uh, oh, actually, I'll let you decide if you want a religion or a history check. I'll let oh, you decide I'm, on one I'm of the two. I'm way better at history than religion. Sure. So art imitates life. Thirteen. Thirteen. You recognize the symbol on it. You went with history? Yeah. Here's So here's how it works. What you recognize is the symbol from one of the buildings in town. It's actually one of the largest buildings in the city of Waterdeep that you kind of recognize. And then because you remember it from the building, you're able to connect it to the god that that temple is associated with. This is a letter from the House of Heroes, which is this huge temple in the Sea Ward to the god Tempest. Okay. I put the letter away. I'll have to live to Bernie next time I, next time I see her. Good, good, good. And then the kobolds you were talking to last night, uh, before he left, the he gave me this to give to, to one of you. And he hands over another letter. This one not sealed. It's not addressed to any specific one of us in, in particular? Nope. Oh, Travancore's opening that shit. Sure. And you see in surprisingly neat, tiny handwriting, the following. Dramatic reading time. I'll say for the purposes of this voice, you scan to the bottom and see that it is signed by Veng Ashtocker. And he says, In about a week, my people and I will arrive at your safe haven. I'm placing a lot of trust in all of you, and I vow my retribution will be swift and severe if this is some sort of trap or betrayal. However, you've all made good points, and that is why this might be the best course of action. And if we arrive to find a safe and secure home, I promise to reward you with information. Anarnak has aided me and has agreed to let me aid you further, including handing over the Book of Necromancy. If you've proven to be correct, I won't need it anyway. Anorak. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, definitely we'll relay that, that chestnut of information to my compatriots. Gustak gives you kind of a curious look and says, Is that bad news? It's news. I don't want to 
sort of declare good or bad at this point. There's some things in there I liked and some things I didn't. Time will tell. Sorry for the cryptic answer. Hey, do you have anything to eat around here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can I can make something up. What what you want? Oh, man. Um, I'm thinking maybe a nice torta. You guys, do you guys make tortas? I'm trying to remember. I don't even know what that is. Oh, well, maybe just a couple of burritos then. All right, yeah, 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 I can figure that out. Sure. You head on back upstairs. He'll make you and Shadow a nice hearty breakfast. He, his burritos are not classic burritos because, you know, the burritos don't really exist. He's right. just kind of figuring out breakfast burritos. And is there anything else you would like to do here at the Golden Rock Tavern before you head back? Um, or is there anything else in Waterdeep that you want to do? You know you don't have a ton of time. Do I have time to swing by Olivia's place? Just, just check on her and make sure she's okay after all this? Or no? It's a bit out of the way. You think if you went now, it might be the kind of thing where you show up and then you have to run away and you wouldn't really have time to talk. But ah, you could. Well, nah, it's fine then. Um, I'll... I'll set up my ability to stock just so we're caught up on everything. Um, just see how much we owe for the times we were staying there. I don't think we were there that long. I think we, we paid the bill before we left on the sea voyage, and we haven't really been back. So I'm not even knowing any, any. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, I I didn't even have this place for most of the time, and I've only got it back because of all of you. So uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All right. Thanks again, Gustav. Take care. All right. See you in a bit. Yep. And I'm going to mosey on over to meet with, uh, I guess, the rest of them. Sure. You no are where, where are they? <laughs> Well, interestingly, <laughs> you ask. So you've been gone for maybe like an hour and a half at most, like having a leisurely breakfast, checking out the furniture, making sure everything's okay, reading over this letter. As you arrive back at the Watchful Order of Magistrates and Protectors, so do your three friends, covered in chocolate. Not Bernie. Bernie didn't follow no fucking chocolate, did she? And and Travancore, one of the one of your compatriots is like looking in a mirror that's covered in chocolate. <laughs> no, that would have oh, uh, worn damn. off. That disguise would have worn off. Oh, yeah, I would have worn off by now. Boo. So, so they they all look a little disheveled, and Travancore or uh, Carlton and Jonathan are covered in chocolate, and they're carrying a load of tiny little wrapped packages. Also, chocolate and bee chocolate stings. Chocolate and bee stings. <laughs> covered in chocolate and bee stings. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, Jonathan the Bed Muscular. He's like he's got like a thick cheek. You know, one of his eyes is kind of swollen shut, and he's kind of like, I think I might be allergic to bees. Looks that way, my friend. Bernie's gonna go up to him, and she's gonna cast healing on him. Okay. She get rid of the bee stings. Are you just like a cure wounds? Or are you trying to? <sighs> What, how much, uh, I had your health written down, guys, and it's also gotten erased on the way home. My character sheet ended up in the hands of a fan, because I gave it away, so. Ah, uh, let's uh, see. Ah, shit, yeah, mine, mine is, so I brought my computer to this story studio. I did not actually bring any of my dice or my, uh, my binder that would have my character sheet, so we'll call it that I, I think I had about half health, because I think you healed me once. I gave you, uh, five points. You guys were all five. I think I was like at 93, if I remember correctly. That number sticks out in my head. Jonathan was the only one who got super duper hurt. He got- Yeah, I, I also probably have, like, a black eye, and it's like some slash marks. I'm gonna go right head, right just 93. That sounds like a good number. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for where Bernie's I was. Gonna, Bernie's gonna cure wounds. And she's going to do it at a level two. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me make sure. Because there's always so much extra. Um, Your healing yeah. is indeed extra. 
two <laughs> plus the spell level, so that's plus six plus five. Yeah, I think we'll call it that. Well, and we'll say that I'm still covered in chocolate, but I'm not as beasting. Beasting. It's closer for jazz. Twenty-three. Twenty-three points of healing. Shadow comes wandering up and begins to try to lick people. Bucks attacks my head. (laughs) Bucks just like, it's just like he smells chocolate and his eyes go like dilated. And he's just like, he just goes like feral as he just like, just latches onto Jonathan the Magimuscular's head. And I feel like owl licks. Bernie's going to look at Coco Snoot and go, Coco Snoot. These fools fell down in chocolate. Do you want to lick them in awkward places? Won't that kill your dog? Oh. Never mind, Coco Snoot. The only thing worse is if we were covered in onions and chocolate. And Coco Snoot <laughs> is just going to sit there and look a little sad. Because he knows better. <laughs> we're covered in delicious poison for Coco Snoot. You're, oh, you're also poor buddy. covered in blood and ant guts and... Um, Te- well, and and pocket flowers. Also covered in flowers. The only... I don't think even Jonathan the Magimuscular killed that one. I think it was Bernie that killed it. You fisted it to the ceiling. Oh, that's right. I fisted one. And then it fell. Yeah, all of you are also covered in an acid spray. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on that maybe none of your animal companions. So what I'm hearing is that we need to take a shower before we leave. Yes. Uh, I I can start prejudicating people. So I can start like, whirr, whirr, whirr. As he's doing that, Travancore, you are amusing yourself at this site. Yeah, Travancore is just sort of like sizing up the situation. He's like, okay, okay, we're going to table all of this for now. Uh, Two things. Oh, dude, this dagger. And I draw the dagger. Tabling. No, no, I, I totally banished something. Those things that we fought were extra planar. So it banished something, and then Jonathan the Magimuscular banished something else. I flexed and literally sent it off into the multiverse. Uh, we need to be You're saying this as you're giving yourself a murder hobo shower. The the dagger did the banishing. Oh, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular the got one of them. second time you tried to use banish. Uh, I, I, was, I was one for two on my own banishments, Jonathan the Magimuscular was. Well, that's great. Okay, so two things. What out of two ain't bad, Travancore? Well, one, our, our furniture came in. It's in Gestock's uh, basement. We can pick it up whenever. Oh, shit. I'd totally forgotten about that. Other thing, uh, we got a little... Oh, three things, I guess. Um, Second thing, Vang wrote us a letter, and I'm going to read them the letter that Vang sent me so that they're all caught up. Huh. And, yeah, Bernie's the one that's clean, right? She doesn't have any chocolate or bee things on it. Bernie's clean. Bernie's the cleanest. Travancore is going to attempt to discreetly hand her a letter without really calling attention to it. The third thing, even though he just called attention to the, 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 the three things. All right, I then mean, I, Bernie... need a, I need a stealth roll with disadvantage. Oh. As you're like, first thing, second thing, and nothing else. Well, my stealth <laughs> is pretty good, so if, uh, if it's going to happen, let's see here. Uh, well. Oh, low rolls 20. Well. Okay. Bernie, do you feel Travancore hands you a letter? And you're not exactly sure how he managed to do it. No one else seems to notice. Damn, that uh, does beat yeah. my passive. It's because Bernie's leggings, which we have made canon, ha- everything Bernie owns is filled with fucking pockets. Oh, yeah. Yes. Don't you have one of those pocket belts or whatever? Because that is, and I'm making this real, a religious tenet of Queen Bay that everyone deserves pockets. <laughs> wow, this high. women's clothing with pockets. This is fantasy. It's not high in the canon, but I would be a bad 
feminist if I made a deity that didn't encourage pocket use. Listen, I I am equal opportunity pocket protector. Men, women, non-binary, anyone, all of them, everyone gets pockets. No matter what or who you are, you deserve pockets. But not natural pockets. That's a different pocket. (laughs) I wish our (laughs) listeners could have seen the look that Jules just gave the video chat, because that was pretty amazing. Yeah, considering I record these, we can make that happen. Okay. There are some pockets you just don't open. Give that. Give that. Give that. No. Bernie has been handed discreetly a letter while Jonathan and Carlton are still trying to uh, clean themselves off. I'd say Jonathan and Carlton, the the two of you were distracted enough by prestidigitating the chocolate off that you missed the handoff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I'm like, uh, Jonathan, it's not that I don't appreciate the press to digitizing it's just that even when you press to digitate it still feels sticky you know like like it's fair need- jonathan the magimuscular does acknowledge the some the slight limitations of press digitation well i mean i'm sure it's all gone i just still feel like it's still there you feel gross I'm, you feel like a carlton uh, yeah i would i'm going to go take a bath they have baths here right we established baths they yes have baths. They're, they're nothing fancy, obviously. They're very Spartan, and they're shared facilities, but certainly you can go and get yourself a nice, clean, simple bath. How much time do we have before we have to leave? So you're unsure. You know that uh, Aras was going to... Aras and the Blackstaff were going to help arrange transport to get you teleported directly to South Crypt to get ahead of the kobolds, and... You do know that they were going to try to do that fairly soon, but that both of them were also up all night helping evacuate the kobolds. It's not the correct word for it, but whatever you want to call getting an army out of the city quick enough so that they were gone before the sun rises. So you think you probably have a little bit of time. Here's what I'm thinking. There's got to be a word for that in some language, but not this one. Uh, Here's what I'm thinking. We take the the pocket house, we go to Gestocks, we pop it down, we get our furniture... Then we build up that sweat, and then we shower in our own and bath in our own shower and bath. Oh, well, it's really nice furniture, though. So maybe the furniture can wait until we've taken care of this thing. Well, the press digitation gets rid of most of the grime. So if you're looking to not get the furniture covered in chocolate, that yeah, we just can feel be gross. We're not actually gross. I was also concerned about the bug guts. That's gone. Oh, it took it's care gone. of the bug guts, too. Oh. Yeah. We're, yeah. clean. Yeah, we are clean. We just feel dirty. Ah. Uh, you know how, like, even though you, like, you don't smell bad, you sometimes just feel gross. And you just like, I just want to soak. Uh, it's been a long day. Yeah, I want right. to light mean, the lavender candles. I want to listen to some Michael Buble. Per, per Veng, Michael who? Yeah, it's a bard? a bard in town. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He sings really loud, and if you leave the windows open, you can usually hear him. Do we want to do we want to bathe in the uh the public the barracks of Amethyst Acropolis or do we want to bathe in our pocket house? Can we montage moving the furniture? Yeah, I, yeah. it's not going to be a skill challenge or anything. Yeah, I okay. mean, it's going to be most of us. Yeah. Let's just yeah, let let's take care of the furniture now because who knows if we, you know, ever come back or die or cuz a lot of times some, you know, fairly recently, Jonathan the Magimuscular and all of you have ended up in hell, oh. in the Feywild, underneath my home. You know, um, 
when All I die and Anorak has my soul, the one thing that will torture me the most is that the furniture was not moved into my pocket house when I had the opportunity. Yeah. So it's a good point. No. And it's just, you don't want something like that gnawing on your mind while you're in the seven hells. I need peace in my afterlife. Nine hells. The nine hells. You got it. You're going to have to focus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So a very non-narration-worthy montage later. <laughs> uh, I will let Razo know where we're going and that the only way we can be reached is in person because he can't do ascending to us. Are you actually telling him you're going to the pocket house or you're just saying don't send ascending? Well, I'm saying, hey, we're going to be at Kostok's. Sending's not going to work. You're going to have to send up. You're going to have to physically go there. I'll, I don't need to bathe. I can always hang out outside if he wants to send sending to me. Just be like, send this rabbit core for reasons. <laughs> I mean, Bernie can hang out outside because what the fuck is she going to do helping move yeah, furniture? Yeah, exactly. Like, Bernie, Bernie's <laughs> probably going to be the least useful furniture mover. <laughs> she can move the pillows. I don't know. I think Bernie might actually be stronger than Travancore. <laughs> I mean, you never know, but also she's going to want to direct traffic. That's for sure. Also, yeah. a lot of times when moving, sometimes some things that aren't heavy but are just awkward to move is like the most challenging thing. And for a lot of the stuff, it's going to be less awkward for Travancore versus Bernie. So, like, Bernie can definitely, like, bench press more than Travancore, but Travancore has the longer wingspan to, like, handle stuff. We established that in a live game, didn't we? Yes, we did. Remember, we did the strength test? Yeah. And you guys all rolled really bad, and Bernie rolled a 20? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, I'll say, uh, Carlton, when you run back in to let Razo know that you're going to be AFK for a little while, he is in the process of lining up all the little bags of marshmallows that you've brought him, because you've brought a lot of marshmallows, and he gives you a look, and he says, I have multiple questions. However, I also have multiple marshmallows, and so I won't ask. I also have questions about how you ended up with multiple marshmallows. Oh, because by I the thought, way, Razo, here's I, another. And I take one of the gift bags that I had gotten with my uh, with my haste spell, and I give him two. Okay. In addition to the marshmallows. And he looks at those and he goes, you know what? I don't want to know I asked you for a favor. I'm going to be polite and not ask how it went. But I will make sure to send a message when... Aras is ready for you, and 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 as long as you're just going to be in the Golden Rock, that should be fine. Thank you. And then he takes one of the little bags of marshmallows that has six marshmallows in it and starts to very slowly unwrap it, and then go. Oh, this is going to be the best lunch ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're contributing to his tiny pot belly. Yeah, it's it's Razo's it's Razo's cheat day. Marshmallows are not that. <laughs> high in calories actually if I they're not eat like 100 of them yeah <laughs> we got a fuckload of them <laughs> you got quite a quite a few you didn't get a hundred but you, you got quite a few and they're all in in bags of six and i'm gonna say one two three four five i'm gonna say you got seven bags because in addition to- i think we got eight bags because we are holding one back for ourselves yeah okay so razzo has seven bags. yes yeah, yeah. Okay. bernie clearly kept a bag as a reward so you now have six marshmallows. As you walk on over to the Golden Rock Tavern, Gestock is more than, he's a little confused because I don't think he knows about the pocket house at all. So when you ask to go into the basement to take care of the furniture, he's like, yeah, all right. Um, you could just, just the four of you because it took like a team of six about an hour or two to move everything down there. I'm very strong. Did the strong. team of six have these? And, then, and Jonathan the Magimuscular flexes. And so does Carlton yeah. in time. Fool. And yeah. Bernie stands behind them and, and makes a really shitty flex and winks. <laughs> Travancore channels his best Kiff Croker. I, I don't want to discount 
the awesomeness of your your muscles but these were professional woodworkers uh, they were pretty buff too yeah jonathan do you have enlarge and reduce not prepared damn it because <laughs> that would make it so much quicker it'll be it'll it'll be fine uh, all oh right dear. well hold the door open for you and he opens the door to lead you down into the basement and he seems to be ready to stand there holding the door for you. That won't be necessary. We got a thing we're going to do. We got magic. Yeah, magic. That's the thing we've got. All right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, plausible deniability. The less you know, the better. Very true. Don't tell him that. Actually, no, I think that's exactly what I needed to hear. And he closes the door behind you. Uh, so, Jonathan the shout, Magic Muscular is going to, uh, gonna make this a lot easier for us. Big B's hand. Because his hand will definitely help. And a a large spectral hand, palm up, that you know, as if it were like a a uh, a floating table, uh, is now there to help us. I did this, Janessa. I did this for you because also it was funny. So this shot of fireball is for you. Here's the thing: Have we ever tried to send the Bigby's hand through the portal? No. <laughs> However, here's what I'm gonna say: It will go through the portal. With Jonathan, as l- so he has to be there. You can't just send the Bigby's hand. Uh, Bigby's hand will not activate the portal, and even if it could, it can't be on another plane of existence. However, if Jonathan goes with Bigby's hand, he can activate the teleportation circle, and I'll let Bigby's hand come through. So, Bernie's gonna pull out the nut and hand it to Jonathan. All right, Jonathan activates the nut. All right, and we will kind of montage. A hour-long moving process. As Jump you're being... the nuts with his uh, Big B's hand. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Queen Bay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Sorry. That wasn't... Boo. That was Julian. Boo. Because what Jack missed at the panel was Big B's hand facing upward. My favorite part of that was Jonathan doing that and the entire audience roaring in laughter and it taking Jonathan about 10 seconds to realize what he had just done and the <laughs> movement he had just made. That was probably one of my favorite yeah, that parts of that whole exchange. Okay, so it's going to take you all, you know, helping out in your own way with your own talents and not hurrying because you're trying to be careful to move all the furniture into all the correct spaces about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Is there anything else you would like to do during that time or after when it's done? Uh, we're going to bathe as well. Yeah. Okay. During the uh, during the moving, Jonathan the Magic Muscular, like when he's like hauling something up up onto the hand with tra- like he and Travacore on like two different sides of whatever we're moving, and he's going to be like, so, Fang is uh is down with demons. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a real big way. You know, it's uh. I kind of get it from from his standpoint, like from his perspective. Doesn't make it good or right. Means will he might be a problem, but he's been he's kept his word so far. So I mean, you're the one who has the most experience with this because this is the demon that that Travancore's family has dealt with, right? Yep. This this is the this is specifically the one that the cousin called out to. The one that got that away. Is the one that. The one that uh, you have a the amulet, um, the one that you you said that she basically said if you can destroy that amulet, which is the thing that has been calling her away from the blood war, uh, she was the one that made the deal with Travancore's ancestors all those many 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 years ago, and she is uh, willing to 
lets the deal go if you can destroy that amulet, but you haven't figured out how to do that yet. You know, I wonder if Vang would like some exclusivity to his deal with, with that demon there. We might bring up the amulet, amulet and see if he has any insight into destroying it. He was down there with her. Maybe this could be part of our diplomatic relations with this new kobold nation. They, they give us a hand and, and maybe not only ridding uh, Vang of hit the army of the undead, maybe even trying to renounce his demonic influence. But at the very least, he might be willing to help us, especially yeah. if we keep our word. I think so, too. The door the door is open, so it's worth a shot. Honestly, i completely forgotten about that amulet. Jonathan the Magic Muscular has had a lot on his mind recently. <laughs> and Yes, Bernie did not forget, as Bernie's, like, giving Jonathan a look that, like, says that I didn't fucking forget. <laughs> yeah. She, like, pulls it out and dangles it, and she's just like, I didn't... Sorry, Bernie, I, I know, um... Yeah, Jonathan the Measure Muscular. Uh, yeah, what happened to that on? keen mind of yours there, bud? Maybe it's at old age? Is it starting to go? Listen, no, jo Jonathan the Measure Muscular has simply had a lot going on. Oh, oh, and while they're walking, I'm like, so while we're out and about, we don't have to sleep on the ground anymore. Well, I mean, we will, but we'll be a lot more secure. Oh? Yeah, I can make a tiny hut now. <gasps> the tiny hut? Yeah! I'm working on a better version. You might, you know, it'll be something magnificent. But for now, I've got the hut. So are we talking yurt? Are we talking just hut, garden variety hut, hutch, teepee? Invisible. Force field. Okay, so you remember when we were fighting those, uh, those Alhoons and one of them made a uh, barrier? I was really intrigued by that. So I, I'd been working on something very similar and everything just kind of came together when I saw it. So I can now, I think, also do that. But while I was working on it, I'm like, well, it's very similar to a tiny hut. I wonder if I can just, you know, modify my, my studies into a tiny hut sort of form. And it works. That's pretty cool. Um, but does, I mean, will it fit all of us? Yes. Okay, that's good. That's good. And plus our animals. All right, because we're kind of big. Is there a bathroom? Or at least I am. And so is Shadow. And Jonathan the Metamuscular is like, Shadow has something strapped to his back that he's hauling in. I'm going to be like, yes, you can fit. Yes, you can fit too. And he's going to give him uh, under chin scritches to Shadow as he's working. I can't believe he strapped all this uh, wood to a combustible fire bear. I like to be reassured. <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular realizes this insight now. It's <laughs> oversight now. Oh, dear. Is there anything else you would like to do during this time of moving and bathing? Um, no, maximum uh, entertainment nope. all you reached. Well, I was going to say, while the others are bathing, I'm going to inspect the Modrons. Because it's been a while since we did a check-in on them. That's good. Bernie would like to read the letter, which was the purpose of her lying about wanting a bath. I feel like Carlton's been taking over that job lately. <laughs> okay. So, Bernie, uh, think about for a second where you'd like to go to read the letter if you are if you care about being unobtrusive. I don't know if you do, but think about that for a second. Carlton. Poop. She's going to poop. That's fine. That'll do it. Hey, reading material. Carlton, I need you to roll an investigation check if you would like to examine the Modrons. Let's see. Detective Carlton investigates to the tune of a 17. Not bad. Yeah, not bad They seem fine. Solid. They've definitely missed you. It's been a little while since you've been in the pocket house. So when you first all entered, despite the fact that you were all carrying furniture, they were 
like super right there to greet you and the place looks great and they look fine all right well then i am going to give them all big giant hugs that are cold and metallic and then now that we have all of our furniture set up because well, they're modrons they're, they're they're robots oh i thought you meant you were gonna give like your cold and metallic no. but wait what i mean well it was oh, fuck which one is pentadome uh is that felix the pentadrone felix is the starfish yeah. one he gives Alistair the best Duke is the the little round one yeah, with the, t- with the Duke, wings. I can never remember if it was Sir. Uh, I know Sir Duke is the Modron, and I always got Felix and uh, the other one, Piddleschmick. Piddleschmick. I always get them too confused. But yeah, Felix gives the best hugs because there's five of them. They all give pretty good hugs. I mean, even Alistair Duke, you get like the two tiny little wings. Pretty nice. Well, hello there. I'm Russ Moore, your Dungeon Master from Dungeons & Dragons. We're a D&D 5th Edition actual play podcast, and we're four friends who just love Dungeons & Dragons. Adventure, collaborative storytelling, laughing, and just hanging out with friends. Throughout Season 1, we play through the adventure module Rise of Tiamat from start to finish, with some extra flavor thrown in the middle. Season 2 begins with new characters, new stories, and a whole lot more laughs. We're Dungeons and Dragons, and we hope you can join us every Wednesday for a new episode at dumbdragons.com and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Until then, have a great week, and we'll talk soon. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official, free-to-play Dungeons and Dragons-based clicker game available on PC and Mac on Steam and Web, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, iPad, iPhone, and on all the Android devices. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the podcast, and it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from the Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Force Grey, and more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folk who make idle champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now, this code expires on August 4th, 2019 at 8 p.m. Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. P-U-C-E-A-M-A-H-J-U-R-E. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Bernie, you go to the crapper. Bernie goes, I gotta poop! Okay. And you... Which is weird, because she doesn't usually announce that kind of... Well, no, fuck, I've made a character that she does announce that kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, You sit down and um, go ahead and roll for me a history and or religion check. Alright. I think I'm actually proficient in religion. It would be a bad fucking look if I wasn't. I like that you have our character creation character on the back of your thing. I'm going to say this because as as uh, one of my clerics is actually super bad at religion because religion is an intelligence-based skill. I while... just rolled a d6 for no reason. Hold on. Don't roll a d6. So yeah, so you can be a cleric and be super bad at religion because religion is all about like reading books, whereas being a cleric it can can be all about just being a cleric and healing people and doing cleric things. Anyway, yeah, it is a it is. I'm lucky that I chose religion as a proficiency. 
Yeah, my cleric didn't. She sucks at religion. I mean, there are many, many, that is a very apt description of many people who join the faith as a profession, uh, but we won't get into that. Uh, 21. <laughs> That's the reason Travancore's religion uh, score is so low. One, he's not proficient, and two, his intelligence is the lowest thing he has on his sheet. I've decided that Travancore, despite his education and uh, upbringing and background, is of decidedly average intelligence. And that's fine. That's you know. so perfect for playing a member of the upper class. <laughs> Actually, the fact that he's average intelligence is good. Yeah, he's not so. dumb. He's just not particularly gifted or smart. All right, Bernie, with your... So it was a religion role, right? Yes. You very quickly recognize the symbol of the god Tempest. Tempest, you, you're you familiar with this god. You actually have some family members in, in your extended family who worship this god. Those bitches. <laughs> Cousins twice removed. Tempest is known as the lord of battles. He is the god that presides over war. But he's not the god that presides over... It's not necessarily bloodshed and destruction it's the idea of honorable battles so he is the god that forbids cowardice he's the one that if you do unhonorable things in in war if you burn fields if you poison wells if you kill prisoners he's basically the avenger of those those wrongs he sees battle as an this honorable contest between two equal parties that can settle disputes so, you know, th- how you feel about that is kind of up to you. Uh, you do know that the House of Heroes is one of the largest, if not the largest, temple here in Waterdeep. And they were one of the many places that you stopped before you all left to go t- on your little sea excursion. Get information to see if anybody knows anything about the amulet that Travancore uh, is trying to destroy. And when you open up this very uh nice piece of parchment that has been sealed closed for you it's it's a very short note from lyra messa who is the battle guard of tempest she is the basically the leader of this congregation of clerics and paladins and holy people here for tempest and the the letter basically says yes we have lots of information Come by when you get a chance, and I'd be happy to chat with you. Well, okay, that's a relief. Really, it's really worried. This is from my aunts. Okay, and so Bernie just like hops off the toilet. She's not pooping. Uh, she, I don't know. Do we have flush toilets? It's magical, so I would think so. Sure. I mean, I would hope so. After that one time, Carlton destroyed it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, she flushes and she walks out of the bathroom. She goes, ooh. And then she goes, guys, guys, guys. Yeah. Yo. Yep. Before we leave town, we gotta, we gotta make a stop really quick. Oh? Yeah. And she holds up the letter and she says, so I got this note uh, from, from some of Tempest people. And they know something about the amulet. Well, they know apparently lots. There's a lady named Lyra. We gotta go. We have to go see her. Yeah. Um, none of you guys have committed any war crimes, right? Jonathan the Magimuscular thinks for a second, and Jonathan the Magimuscular flexes us like, I mean, these are weapons of mass destruction, and he okay. flexes. Okay, yeah, well, that's nice for Jonathan. <laughs> well, I think some of my actions are questionable. I don't think any of them fall into the category of war crime. 
Yeah. Okay, and what about your people, Travancore? Well, you asked about us individually, or me individually, or my people at large? I mean, I'm from a place where we judge everybody based on their... It's, we're a judgmental group of people, my family, so I, I don't know how the Tempest is. I'm not sure if he's a punish you for the deeds of your ancestors kind of guy. <laughs> well, I can't... Well, I, I can only speak for myself. I have not committed anything, in my mind, that violates the, the commonly held rules of... Uh, of of combat and engagement. Well, that's good. So, uh, we will probably all be able to enter this temple without being struck for dead. You guys, uh, we should probably... You want to go talk to Lyra? Let's go talk to Lyra. This, it's way too important to just yeah leave until we until we come back from the Crypt Garden, whenever that is. Especially given what Travancore got in that other letter. Exactly. I definitely agree. I don't think we should go in... Without any knowledge of this thing. Anybody else need to poop before we go? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I should probably... No, uh, uh, me first. Rochambeau. Hey, uh, live Rochambeau. Everybody. No. Carlton no, and... Tra- nope, nope. Carlton and Jonathan, I need you to roll dexterity saving throws. We're gonna do this with dice. Like men. That's virtual dice. Exactly. Like people. This is D&D. We do this with honor. Do it with a roll. Uh, what, uh, what kind of check you said? Slide it, uh, dex? I said hand? dexterity saving throw. Dex and saving you do throw. not get advantage because you don't see this coming. It's not an attack, Well, Jonathan rolled a seven. Uh, and Carlton also rolled a seven. Travancore, did you need to poop? No, I'm good. Oh. That's good. Did we both get, get stuck, stuck in, the... in the door jam? <laughs> I think so. You got so. stuck in the door jam, yeah. Yeah, figure that out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're both stuck in the door jam looking at each other like, oh, I'm going to go first. I, Jonathan the Magimuscular yields and dances. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. important bit taken care of. We will. Is there anything else anybody wants to do? Or are you going to close down the pocket house and go to go to the House of Heroes? I think close and go to the house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You finish moving around all the furniture. You close down the pocket house. Gestock gives you some really weird looks as you leave without the furniture. I just said him. Don't worry about it. Who's, I've got the nut again. Jonathan Magimuscular throws three thumbs up with his uh, image hand. I'm going to worry about it, but I'm not going to ask. And eventually yeah. I'll stop worrying about it because I'll mostly forget. All right, I'll see you all later. That's a really good idea. That's a very healthy attitude. Yeah. Uh, you know, after dealing with you for all these months, I got to try. So you all head out uh, to the Sea Ward and find this is a building that you've all seen because it is massive. It is more like a fortress than an actual congregation, church, or meeting place of any sort. A couple of you might have actually thought that it was some sort of defensive position here in Waterdeep, but it is the actual holy site for the god of Temp- the, the god Tempest. And as you enter, Bernie, you're able to speak Bernie with- Bernie is making judgmental faces, but she is doing her best not to. The roll a performance check. She's actually well, roll a I deception mean, check. Sorry, it's a deception because you're trying not to. She's kind of like, if it could be any other building than a temple, maybe you didn't design it well. Uh, like she's like she knows that they're there for information, so she's on her best behavior, but she judges them. Give well, give me a deception you, check. You sound like my brother when he walks into post Vatican two churches. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a snob about that kind of thing. I feel like your brother and I would probably have similar opinions. 22. That's a 22. She's Dang. like whispering things to her compatriots that are like very sassy, but she just is like, oh, what a 
beautiful building. I'll say with a 22, you're doing a good enough job in where you don't actually whisper anything, but you're going to bookmark all the things you meant to say. And at a later date, you're just going to... Can it be like that kind of sass where she's like, wow, I would have never thought to put battlement. Sure, absolutely. Oh my god, you're doing you're doing southern, isn't that precious? (laughs) Pretty much. Oh wow. I just ooh, and those those acolyte robes, those what a choice that was. It's a real BYH dynamic here at work here. Not only does Bernie bless your heart several times. (laughs) Uh, the acolyte who you talk to, who actually recognizes who you are, recognizes Bernie, and that this is something that was that is very quick to lead you back to go speak to the Battle Guard of Tempest. You notice they're not in robes; they are all in armor. They are all in a variety of armors. Not all of them in full plate, but most of them look like. You're you're surrounded by some heavy duty paladins. Um, you get the sense that maybe Ooh, most of- paladins. Ooh. Yeah, great. Well, and these are like you've met paladins on, especially Bernie. You've met some paladins, and they they range from just people that you would meet on the street and you would never think otherwise to like the cliche shining knight in armor with the whole nine yards. And it seems like the, the most of the people here are leaning more towards the shining knight in armor. Bernie asked the athlete, she goes, do you polish it every day? Not every day, ma'am, but every time it is necessary. It shows. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that person realized it was a dig. <laughs> No, oh no. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, I, I flying fucking colors on this deception check. Bernie can be as salty as she wants to be in here. The the acolyte actually will go on to say, well, it is a, a sign of our devotion to our god that we take care of the instruments of his that we are gifted while we are here on this on this plane. Oh, that's so sweet. You also notice that his greatsword is larger than you. That's fine. Bernie doesn't need great swords. Bernie's got magic. <laughs> That's true. You are led through this fortress to a antechamber. And the, the fortress itself, like when you enter it, the inside of the, the main part of the fortress does remind you of one of those grand, long, tall cathedrals with pews. It's very understated. There's no gold trimmings. There's no stained glass windows depicting amazing sights and everything. It's very almost Spartan and utilitarian, but there's a there's just a very clean, purposeful, almost military order to everything. And it's it doesn't feel holy, but it feels very purposeful. And the acolyte brings you over to a side passage. Uh, once again, it feels more like you're walking through a castle than anything and into an antechamber where you are brought to a room that does have a very nice window looking out on the city of Waterdeep. But otherwise, this is a, a very Spartan utilitarian room, desk, chair, bed, closet, and a woman standing not in full plate. She looks to be in half plate. You're not sure if it's because she only got half dressed or what. Uh, but she is wearing half-plate armor, very well-kept, although all of you can tell this has been used. This is not ceremonial armor. She's not currently... Apple Friday? <laughs> She's not currently wearing a weapon, uh, but you do see uh, several weapons on uh, very neatly on a, a weapons rack next to the, 
the the closet. Um, she is a tall human, long black hair tied into a, a very tight bun at the back of her head, and very muscular. Obviously, has been wielding heavy weapons and heavy armor for most of her life and moves with the grace of somebody who knows what they're doing, comes in to shake all of your hands and says, It's very nice to meet you. I've heard very many good things about the Heralds of Greenness, especially after what happened last night. And I'm now extra glad that I am able to assist you in these matters. Please come on in. Uh, my name is Battle Guard of Tempest Lyra Mesa. Please have a seat. I'm Bernice. This is Jonathan, the magic muscular. Yo, and the uh, uh, mage hand rises up to greet her. I wouldn't touch that mage hand if I were you. This is Carlton Tate. Hi. And uh, this is Travancore. What was your title again? I'm sorry. It said several times. I'm just writing it down. Battle Um, Master or something like that? Battle Battle Guard of Tempest. And Travancore just kind of waves. He's from Burkana. It is it is very good to meet you all. Uh, thank you. Uh, she closes the door. There is a couple of very basic wooden chairs uh, laid out for you. And she goes behind the desk to sit. And you do notice she's got the same basic wooden chair. It's not like she's given you crap chairs. This is just what they have. You sit down and she says, I won't waste your time with small talk. I know you're just here for the information. I, I would like to know more if if you're willing to share about the artifact you're trying to destroy, but the information, Bernice, that you provided was very persuasive, and certainly you've all done enough for the city that we are more than happy to help in any way that we can. And in fact, we can. The, the item you are trying to destroy sounds incredibly powerful, but we have just the means they are secret means and i would ask that anything that i'm about to say you keep to yourselves and do not tell anyone because word of what we have is kept within a very small circle for reasons that should become obvious when i tell you tree of trust yeah circle of trust and bernie's gonna pull the amulet out of her pot one of her many pockets none of which are her butt and um, <laughs> and she's she's going to uh, say and kind of like do the the fun chain drop thing where she just like drops it from her hand but holds it by the chain. She's like, "This is what we eventually need to destroy." Lyra leans forward a little bit to look at it, but almost pulls her hands behind her back and is being very careful not to touch it. You're not sure why, if it's out of respect or just out of the innate understanding of the power of this artifact. She says, yes, yes, it would it would do the world good to see this thing destroyed. So how familiar are you with the with our god, with Tempest? We do not use the same interior designer at my temple. I will tell you that. Lyra gives a, a like a wry smile and she says, no, most people are, are not uh, content to live inside a fortress. I can understand. So one of the many tenets that we adhere to is the idea of, of honorable combat. And certainly anything involving any of those from the Nine Hells is the least honorable that, that can be sought. And so for many other reasons, our, our god a long time ago gifted us a 
a pool that we have kept secret in the spine of the world. It is a small pool of acid that does not sound very exciting, but it is a divine pool and it will destroy anything placed inside. That includes your artifact. I, I have not myself witnessed, but I have heard tales of similar artifacts in the past being destroyed. It is a powerful enough pool that we keep its specific location and what it can do very secret because it does not just destroy anything that comes into contact with it, if you understand. Cabin core, you want to fill, fill the nice lady in about precisely why? I give her the uh, the Cliff Notes version of our family's history and our recent encounter with uh, with Evelyn. And she listens intently. Um, she doesn't take any notes, but you get the sense that she is almost committing all of this to memory. And then she says, "No, this is definitely something that would be." worth destroying not just because of exactly what it is but also because it would obviously help you and your people this is not something that you can tell anyone about so once it is destroyed i will be relying on your abilities to be able to explain that it is destroyed without saying how and that's the point i chime in tell who about what and i wink like very exaggeratedly it is my ardent desire to put the amulet, the place the amulet destroyed, and anything related to the amulet as far behind me as possible as soon as I can. I appreciate that. Okay, so if I recall correctly, the deal we made, the amulet gets destroyed and the curse gets lifted, right? Yes. But the amulet getting destroyed frees the the demon. Not not exactly. So the amulet is what... It's what Evelyn and others in history were using to summon this specific creature. And she did not want to continue to be summoned because she's in the middle of um, other matters. And basically it pulls her out against her will. So by destroying the amulet, you're destroying the ability to control her. But if she's not on this current plane of existence, like she has ways of getting back and forth. There's nothing that you know how to stop her if she wanted to come back. The amulet is what allows people on this plane of existence to essentially summon her against her will. And so if you were able to find a way to destroy it, she would allow the contracts with Travancore's family to lapse and to finally be considered null and void and it would end the curse on his family because travancore's family has figured out this weird loophole she feels like she's gotten everything she can out of it anyway so she's not on our plane of existence right now right you don't know but the conversation you had a while ago with her indicated that she's in the nine hells she's specifically actually in avernus fighting the blood war and doesn't really want to be pulled away from that right now so your guess no but you don't actually know. Okay, because Bernie, I was working under the assumption that there was a reason for us to wait. And I think it was because I wanted to make sure she was back in the Nine Hells. Okay, so that's that's that. So, um, how quickly can we dump this thing in the pool of acid? Well, it depends on how quickly you can get to the spine of the world. We have 
this pool is currently housed in a an actual fortress, not a a church that looks like no, a fortress. And she pretty much is a fortress. It is, but this is as ceremonial as we get. Where you would be going would be an actual keep. We have a place that's called the Bastion of the Last Corruption. It is in a very secret location in the spine of the world that can only be accessed by a passage leading from Mirabar up into the mountains. And so you would need to go to Mirabar. There is a specific guide that I can give you information on contacting who will take you the correct passage to the bastion. And I can make sure that before you arrive, there is a message sent to accept your arrival to let you access the pool. Jonathan the Magimuscular raises his hand. Yes. Jonathan the Magimuscular is curious. Is there a teleportation circle in Mirabar that we might have access to? That I don't know. I know for sure that the, the Bastion of the Last Corruption has not only no such teleportation circles, is specifically warded against such a thing. That is why you must travel on foot. However, if you know of a way to get to Mirabar by teleportation or any other way, that is that is up to you. Jonathan the Magimuscular makes a note to ask Aras about uh, teleportation circles in or around that area. Okay, Julia, the human being right here. Hi. Uh, she does not, is currently trying to find a good map oh, for Faerun, because she feels like Bernie would have, like, a general... Yeah. Spine of the my... world is the very, very tippy, tippy top where it is really, 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 really cold. It is so fucking far north. Yeah, so the basic outline of of the Sword Coast, um, if you're you basically picture a big rectangle, where you are in Waterdeep is on the coast, kind of in the middle, and the spine of the world is literally this think Rocky Mountain style mountain range, maybe maybe even like Himalayas in places across the northern edge of the continent. And Mirabar is one of the last cities. It, it you would probably know. Actually, Bernie, roll me, roll me a history check. Okay. 13. You seem to remember hearing about Mirabar, and you don't know why. It might just be because you know you've got family all over the place, but you're not sure. Super duper tippy top. Bring, bring your, especially if you were to go anytime soon, considering it's winter right now, bundle up. Okay. Um, so we have some kobolds we have to resettle. I have heard. Are you going to let the uh, the temple of the Bastion of the Last Corruption know to expect us? Yes, okay. I will make sure that a message is sent. It'll it'll take a little while because, as I said, the that Bastion is heavily fortified, both physically and magically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to do the cobalt thing. I just like the way you made it to sound and described was like, hey, you don't just like walk up willy nilly. You know, door-to-door selling Bibles. No, I made it sound that way because that is what it is. You cannot just walk up to it. Even if you right. were so to Right, so I want to make figure... sure we go and walk up to the door and knock and say, Hi! No, that they're expecting us. You would not make it to the door without the guide. Oh. Who's our guide? We'll find that out in Mirabar next time. On... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in I, six that's... weeks. <laughs> 
well, let, I'm going to give you that information now just in case you decide to, once you're done with whatever you're doing, in case you want to go directly there, I will understand. Uh, so I will let the Bastion know it will take the, probably a good 10 day. So as long as you're not going to Mirabar before the 10 day, you'll be fine. But any time after that, you'll be welcome to show up. I'll, I'll tell them to expect you at any time. The person you're going to want to speak to, there isn't an actual temple to Tempest in Mirabar. So you're going to have to do a little looking around. She specifically keeps a low profile for a multitude of reasons. But she will be warned as well that you will be arriving. And so she will be also looking out for you. And her name is Carissa Kinborough. I'm sorry, wait, what, what did you say that last name was again? Uh, Kinborough. I, I believe she's, she's a gnome, just like you, actually. Oh! Yeah! Wow, so that's our on-site contact. Excellent. I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's a great gnome. Yeah, very nice gnome. <gasps> she has yeah. been working for us for many years and will be able to lead you to the Bastion of the Last Corruption very safely. She has done this for us for quite a while. Great! Travacor looks fly right in the eye and says, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. Uh, certainly your reputation has helped make this meeting very easy. I, I feel like with all that you've done for the city, it's very easy to trust you. And certainly, and she points over at, at Bernie and says that the message I received was incredibly persuasive. So I, I hope we are able to assist in this matter. It seems like it is a very noble and worthy cause. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, and Bernie's gonna, like, absentmindedly put the, the amulet back into one of her millions of pockets, which are canon now. <laughs> and she, yeah, that's, this is gonna be great. Snow, cold, vines, acid, this'll be so much fun. Hopefully it will be boring. Hopefully it will be a trip and a, and a drop and you'll be done. It is a dangerous journey, but hopefully... If Tempest is with you, it will all go well. We got Bay. We're good. Hopefully both will be with you. And Myleki. Don't forget Myleki. And Ekthiarn. Yeah, we know quite a few. Oh, and Rachel. Don't forget Rachel. Rachel's on vacation. Uh, Rachel's more of a landlady. Like a demigod. Demi-landlady. The more powerful beings on the side of good that you can have in this, the better. Now, if there's anything else that I can help you with, please let me know. Certainly, if you have any other questions. Do you know a good deal on winter clothes? Yeah, we're gonna need. We're that. gonna need to stock up. Didn't we stock up some time ago? You, you did. did. You I actually bought a whole bunch of winter clothes. We have a ton of winter clothes. We've been. We- I assume we've been wearing them. I also assume they're not enough. Probably not. But I would suggest actually picking something up in Mirabar before you go. They would be experts for reasons. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go. To, we'll go Mirabar shopping. And unless there's anything else you'd like to ask, um, Lyra herself will escort you back into the the common area. And as you walk back out of the House of Heroes, that's where we'll pause. And next time we get together, we'll, we'll see where you head. Apparently you're going to the Crypt Garden to go help a bun- whole bunch of kobolds, but we'll see what happens next. But let me give you some experience for this episode. For taking care of furniture, which has been sitting on my mind for a year. For- <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. Because you got the furniture, I mean, in real life, last year at yeah. RTX. So, depending, I'll, I'll say yeah, this. Yeah, we killed that kid. <laughs> depending on what you had done, 
with the kobolds and how fast that all had been resolved, one of the possible games we might have played at RTX was going to involve Tetris with your furniture. But we didn't have to do that, so we've moved on. (laughs) Wow. Right? So for taking care of your furniture, for tracking down information about a bunch of stuff in Travancore's past and and other things in people's pasts and and all kinds of fun, I'm going to give you a total of 5,200 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, you're going to be teleported off to the Grip Garden. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.